Welcome to another bonus podcast. My name is Thalia, one of the pastors here on staff at Northview in the care department. And I am sitting with Crystal and Erin. So Crystal, can you introduce yourself to us? Uh, Crystal Taves. I'm the pastor of women here at Northview. And I love what I do. It's you a great job. How you can introduce yourself with two names, but I don't really need two names. No, Thalia is this kind of, there's only one. <laughs> it's kind of a and, nice perk. <laughs> a nice perk in the frustration of no one knowing who you are and yeah. calling you Talia and Thalia. I know, it's, it's crazy. Anyway, Erin, introduce yes, us. I um, do a few things around the church with uh, women's ministry and premarital. And um, my husband's an elder. And I'm a mom. Mm-hmm. So welcome back to a new ministry year. It is September. You may be listening to this in December or next year, but it's September for us. It's the start of a new ministry mm. year, and that's why we have this topic. And I have called it, I just want my anxiety to go away. Yeah, and this is a big one in September because there's lots yes. of changes, transitions. Lots of people are feeling anxious and hyperventilating a totally. little bit. And yeah. So. And you might be surprised to learn that it is the number one reason that people come to talk with me. Women, yeah. couples, and families, they come to talk about themselves or someone in their family or in their extended friendship group, and they just want the anxiety to go away. So why is that? Because it's overwhelming, hmm. and it makes you feel crazy. Yeah. And we think as Christians that we should be, if we're really good Christians, we will never feel anxious. We'll always feel God's peace and and just feel security that we're kind of sinning if we feel anxiety. And so people want to get rid of that because they want to be a good Christian. So where would they get those kinds of verses from? Well, we have um, things like Matthew uh, 6, where Jesus talks about, you know, don't worry, consider the lilies of the field, they're clothed, and um, don't you think God can clothe you the same way? There's, you know, those chapters 6, chapter 6 35 or 25 to 34. Uh, there's also Philippians 4, 6 to 7, I'll read here. I do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we have these commands that we're not supposed to be anxious. And we have this picture from Jesus that God does care about all those little things. And yet we still feel anxious. And so we don't know how to deal with that discrepancy. Yeah. So we feel like failures. People will come into the office and start crying before they've even sat down because they feel such a struggle with anxiety and worry and stress, and yet they feel like they shouldn't feel that ever, according to the Bible, and so they're so terrible, and they shouldn't show show up to church, and they shouldn't come to any kind of women's Mm -hmm. Bible study or community group because they struggle with anxiety and they don't think anybody else does. No, they think often, you think they're the only person, right? Mm -hmm. And everybody else has it all together, and I'm the only one that's falling apart. Yeah. So, Erin, describe a little bit, somebody who's feeling really anxious, what will that feel like and look like? It's a really heightened emotions, um, pit in your stomach, that knot that grows and kind of takes over your whole body. Like, physically, there's so many effects, the headaches, the the lines growing in your forehead, <laughs> <laughs> like tension, yeah, just building. Yeah, and that fixation of your thoughts, right? Your thoughts are always kind of going back, zooming back to kind of one spot mm-hmm. where it's something that you can't control or a situation that's a big one. Kind of feeling whenever your b- brain is kind of not engaged, it zooms to one, one spot or one fixation. Yeah. So I'm going to quickly promo a group we have starting up soon, Wednesday, September 21st, here at church for high schoolers. 
And then in winter, we're going to do middle schoolers and then spring young adults. So for the high schoolers, grade 9 to 12, we're going to have a group of 12 kids maximum. And they are going to be taught by one of the counselors that attends our church on how to cope with life, how to deal with anxiety, depression, stress, anger, all those kinds of things. And the parents are going to be taught at the same time in a different room with another counselor, how to cope with life, we're calling it, coping with life. So I'm going to do a quick promo in there because if you or someone in your life is struggling with these kinds of things, really feeling anxious, there's either going to be a group for you now or coming up through this ministry year. Right. So you're going to do, did you say that already? You're going to do middle school after January and yep. the young adults in spring. Yeah. And then probably if there was a lot of need, you could do a second for sure. teenage one, right? Yeah. And yeah. people can do individual work around this too. We can guide people to counselors that would best fit for them individually. So that might be an option. This group that we're starting is because it is um, run by two professional Christian counselors, there is a significant cost. The cost is $475 for seven sessions, which is half the cost of individual counseling. But don't let the cost freak you out. You can always come and talk to us and we'd be very willing to help you with the cost. Okay, so that's a little sideline. Okay, plug, a plug. So we feel anxious or somebody in our life is feeling really anxious. Mm. What do we do? My little quick Thaliaism, three things we should do is we should examine ourselves. We should check with a few trusted people in our lives. And we continue to walk with God over and over and over again until we die. <laughs> so you're saying this won't just go away? <laughs> no, it can lessen, but we're, we're people. So we're always going to struggle with anxiety. As I was planning this podcast, I'm also preparing Luke chapter 2 for the women's Bible study. And Luke chapter 2 is the story of Jesus' birth. And the angel appears several times in here, and he's always saying, do not fear, don't be troubled, do not be afraid. And I was laughing, and as I'm doing this lesson, thinking about the podcast, thinking God is concerned about the people, about their fear. He's always concerned about our fear. He knows we're people. We struggle with this. It's just our natural tendency. Yeah, it's our default button. Mm -hmm. So we want to battle against it, but we can't expect that we're going to take a magic pill and it'll all be gone. Right. So we're going to examine ourselves. We're going to check with a few trusted people and continue to walk with God. Now, Crystal, a few trusted people, what does that look like? Um, Well, I think people in your life that you know are uh, wise that will tell you the truth mm-hmm. if they think, actually, this is something you need to look at or or give you good perspective on things. It could be one of the pastors at church. It could be your community group leader. It could be someone that you are at a table with in women's Bible study that is just seems like a really wise person with their head on their shoulders. Yep. Somebody that has some life experience behind them and knows kind of what a range of normal normal is. Because the truth is, there is nobody that doesn't face anxiety. Yeah. All of us experience it to some level or another, and some of it's normal and some of it's not. We're going to talk about that as yeah. we go on here. But um, yeah, somebody that understands this common sense thing that, yes, we are going to deal with this in our lives. Yeah. And it might be somebody who knows their Bible well. Yeah. Or somebody who is in the medical field well and can tell you if this is normal anxiety or if we've gone over the sides. And we're going to talk right. about that a little bit later. Okay, so examining ourselves, there's a few things let's talk about. So the first one let's talk about is, is our anxiety normal for the situation that we're in? Erin, can you address some of the situations we would normally feel anxious? Well, we've already talked, just briefly alluded to transitions. That's huge. Mm -hmm. Child entering kindergarten for the first time and won't walk through the doorway. Or um, just making new relationship, a young marriage where you've had an argument with your spouse for the first time. Like, that's very worrisome. And... um, what else could there be? Lots of, like, if our health, 
yeah. is also one that really per- perplexes us, plagues us with worry. Yeah. Oh, and if we've this. just received a diagnosis or something. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime you've kind of been hit with a new situation, it's normal to feel anxiety because you haven't encountered this before. Yeah. You don't know what's ahead and you don't know what to expect. And so yeah. that we can expect that that's going to be a normal response that yeah. we're going to face when a new situation comes. Or oh. paint colors. <laughs> paint colors? <laughs> Choosing a paint color. <laughs> Very it's very actually. provoking Yes, it is. I have lots of people come to talk to me. So particularly young adults will come and they're feeling very anxious because at this time of their life, let's say between 18 and 25, they're trying to figure out oh, yeah. which Bible college or which Cape and Ray school or YWAM or college or university or tech program should I go to? That There's a wide range of choices. Which guy or girl should I date? And if I'm oh, dating yeah. them, should I continue as a serious or should I break up? Should I try something else? Which job? I don't know if I like my job. Maybe I should try something else. And is this going to be a career job or just a temporary job? Mm-hmm. And where should I live? Should I live at home or should I have an apartment with someone? And the range of things to be anxious mm-hmm. about is huge. So there's so many possibilities oh. they, and they're scared to make the wrong one, right? Totally to scared. make the wrong decision. Yeah. So in that age group, that's a high anxiety age group. You should kind of feel normal because that is the way it is. Most of your peers probably feel the same way. Yeah. And parenting. Oh, like like it's its own sub. Yes. Parenting Parenting from the time you find out you're pregnant until the, well, it's still here. When my first child leaves university, it's just all anxious. You know, where am I messing up? Where's my kid messing up? What do I need to fix, change, do? It's just hard. Finances. Yeah. Retirement. I'm hearing lots of people who are entering retirement and are fearful of, what do I do with my time now? What about money? What about health? What about my friends? And should I move to be closer to my grandkids? Should I stay here? Which area of church should I get involved in? I have more free time. It's also a stressful time. So if we decide that, yeah, this is a normal kind of stress, then what still should we do about it? Like what's helpful in the midst of that? So it's helpful very much to talk with other people. Be in groups, yeah. because as soon as you talk to someone else, they have the same kind of experience. You automatically feel like, ah, it's not just me. No. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's normal. Okay. So then we keep walking with God and we keep taking care of ourselves, our health. We keep trying to sleep well and eat well and exercise oh, yeah. and, you know, read good books or get out with friends, do some of the things that keep us healthy. Yeah. And seeking out maybe people that have gone through that before too, that can give you advice or direction. Yeah. People that know you. Yeah. And if you're a parent or a friend of somebody who has this tendency in great doses, like what I was thinking of this week is it's really hard to speak to it or correct thinking or kind of visit about it reasonably when the person is really heightened. Uh. So if there's a meltdown going on and all of like... (laughs) Don't give the good advice at that that moment. That isn't (laughs) a great time. Like it's just now we just need to get through it. Do the next thing that's in front of you. Get through the next five minutes. Get through the next two things that are on your, what needs to get done for this day, for this moment. And it's when you de-escalate that there's a moment to say, okay, what happened there? Yeah. Or what how can we do next going? time? <laughs> how can we yeah. handle this better next time? Yeah, you're right. You're right. When our emotions are really keyed up, that's not maybe the time to make any major decisions. That's really the time when we need to find a way to calm down. If you're the support person or support people for somebody who's very anxious, like it can really bear on you too. Like it's quite exhausting. Yeah. So it's, it's good to remember that you can't, you can't escalate with them. (laughs) Stay steady. It's true. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about the fact that anxiety is often a really important indicator for us. 
It indicates a lot of things that we need to think about. So Crystal, give us some ideas of what anxiety might be indicating. Well, that we have something important coming up in our lives, like an exam, like a wedding, like an event that Mm -hmm. is a big deal. And so a certain amount of anxiety is appropriate in those situations, right? We kind of need a kick in the butt sometimes to actually get the things done that we need to, to get in place, to get the mark that we want to get to, to have the the wedding day go off, to have all these things. Um, So anxiety is a motivator kind of in those things to towards an end that we want. Hmm. Right. So we don't necessarily need to get rid of the anxiety. We actually need to study harder, practice, prepare something, and that will usually resolve the anxiety. Yeah. Manage it. Yeah, often in those kind of situations, there's an end in sight, right? Yeah. We know we just right. kind of have to get through to that situation, right. to that date. That date. Um, and then the anxiety will likely go away. And you may be surprised to learn that if you attend Northview, many of the people that are up on stage on the weekend that look like they're all natural at it, mm. they are natural at it, but that comes with anxiety. Jeff, Johnny, Ezra, myself, you know, our stomachs are churning before you go up there because you want to do a good job. And so part of the anxiety is just natural. It's normal. You just kind of have to realize, oh, here it is again. Being at the podcast recording studio. (laughs) (laughs) Does your stomach turn every time you walk in that door? Almost every time. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. It might also be an indicator that we have maybe too many commitments and responsibilities. Yeah. Or that those things aren't going well, like something globally has to happen to change that. It's not a great workplace or it's a a family circumstance that maybe needs a, you know, another solution Mm -hmm. brought in or some supports brought in or something. Yeah. Yeah. Before you cancel too many things, though, I'd encourage you to kind of walk through something for a while because sometimes yeah. we can feel like, oh, I can never get this done. I can never do it. And then you have one day off and you're like, oh, well, this is manageable. Yeah. And so we just kind of need to have a bit of a reality check because sometimes I see people like throw their hands up in the air like two weeks into school and say, yeah. I have too much responsibilities and I'm going to okay. get rid of them all. Yeah. And I'm not going to do anything this year. And I think, well, that's too bad, too. Yeah. Like we want to actually walk it out for a while mm-hmm. before we decide to ditch things. I think so that's we need really to have a important. Yeah. Bit really important important point because sometimes we'll use our anxiety as an excuse and we'll use it as an excuse to ditch everything or to be lazy and to just stay home I can't handle it I just gonna stay home I'm gonna drop all my university courses or maybe I'll just keep one and I I can only work like four hours a week because I'm so anxious I hear that a lot when actually we have to realize that it's part of being human it's part Mm -hmm. of the job part of the university process or whatever it is and we actually still need to work with that anxiety we need to learn to yeah To walk through it, right? And come out the other side. And maybe we need to think about things like maybe we are have too much of ourself invested on getting an A and maybe we need to be okay with a B. Like, you know, drop some perfectionist tendencies, get rid of some things. But we need to sometimes walk walk that road where we are managing and juggling things and learn how to do that in a way that's healthy. Yeah, I think that's where trusting, uh, checking with a trusted friend or a few friends is really helpful because they can say, hey, hey, you can do it. You did it last year or the year right. before. You can do this again. What can we do to make this more manageable? How can we help you? Let's pray for you. Let's encourage you. I can take this job on if you can take that job on. Yeah. Like, let's not just immediately give up. Right. Okay. Another reason that people come to see me and they express all kinds of anxiety, but they're refusing to acknowledge that they are actually sinning Hmm. in one or more areas Hmm. of their life. And they don't realize that God has a plan for our life. He has a plan for sex, for marriage, for communication. He has a plan. And when we follow his plan, there is less anxiety, less muck, less difficulty. But if we choose to sin, we're adding that in. 
Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to actually, you have Psalm 51 written down on here, and I thought that might be a good one to read because it talks about that emotional anguish. I think that's the one, right? Mm -hmm. That when we are going through difficulties. So I'll read it, um, Psalm 51, verses 3 on. uh, For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words, blameless in your judgment. Um. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth, in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Yeah. It talks about the fact that God brought him to this place of brokenness in order to heal him. Yeah. Right? And he's asking now for God to heal him. So yeah. sometimes that anxiety can be that result of knowing that we're outside of his will. Yeah. And again, trusted friends really play an important role because trusted friends who are willing to speak the truth can say, you know, you're you're not following God's design and you say you're a Christian and this is going to hurt you. And so that's when we really want to be praying that people will be soft towards God and will repent mm-hmm. of their sin and will change their lives. I had one woman meet with me recently who um, had been disobeying in a variety of areas. And then she came to meet with me and she said, I've been starting to obey God in a couple of these areas. I actually feel peace when I obey Him. Hmm. Is that normal? (laughs) And I started laughing. I said, it's been so unusual for her to be obedient to God. It's been strange. So now when she's obeying, she's feeling peace. And she's realizing that the anxiety is lessening as she's really following God. And now she's lurching along, right? We want to be lurching along with Christ. We're not necessarily getting it all right. Yeah, I was going to say part of that story when you told me was that she was frustrated that she wasn't yet at that that kind of mature stage. And you're saying, well, that's how a baby learns to walk, right? You slowly start and you fall and you grab furniture and then you fall down and you hit your head. (laughs) But then then you slowly learn how to walk and then you learn how to run. And that's how it is in our Christian life. We have to start somewhere with God and then get more and more sure with our footing. Yeah. So examine yourself and see, is your anxiety a result of being disobedient in an area or more? Another key area, Erin, maybe you can address this, is if someone is sinning against you, that can raise anxiety. What are some situations that you can think of? Oh, if somebody is abusing you or um, neglecting and you're not sure where your next meal is coming from or that, like that insecurity, how will we make ends meet because that person's not pulling their weight? Um or, yeah, you can think of a million of things that might happen in a marriage or a family that could cause that mm-hmm. anxiety when someone's sitting sitting against you. It's very nerve-wracking, yeah. I think. Yeah, it would definitely be normal to feel anxiety in that situation if you had to bring somebody to court mm-hmm. uh, to correct an injustice. Oh, or if yeah. you had to walk through those kind of situations. Like I've had people come tell me those stories and say, well, yeah, that would be a very nerve-wracking experience to be there. We want to pray for you that you have the strength to walk through it. But don't expect to walk through that situation without some anxiety because it's it's stressful. Yeah, right. and even if somebody, the fear of it admitting that that's happening. Yeah, to to bring it to the authorities like that's just a huge step of getting over that. Worry. And if somebody is hurting you, abusing you, harassing you, doing something that's illegal, you really should bring it to the attention of the authorities. We really should. We are required as a church to bring it to the attention of the police. But that will be anxiety producing. That doesn't mean we shouldn't do it, though. No, it's not, well, see, it's not a the Christian crux. virtue. It's not a Christian virtue to cover up sin. No. no. So. But it doesn't feel like it's a Christian virtue to be a tattletale either, right? And so the, I think that's where the, some people sit sometimes, like, oh, I don't want to be the, 
the flag bearer of this, telling everybody and getting that person in trouble. And that's not what it is. You're not getting the person in trouble. They did this thing. It, yeah. it was sinful. It yeah. hurt. Yeah. They weren't walking in the path of righteousness when they were right. and harming so, you. Mm-hmm. So we would encourage you to check with trusted Definitely. people. Get the help that you need with the authorities if that's the case or with your landlord or whoever it might be. Get, get help. You can come talk to us and we can help to clarify this. But you don't have to sit in there just feeling the anxiety. You actually can take action even as a Christian. Mm. Yeah, And it... If with wise counsel, that disclosure feels really good. Mm-hmm. Like afterwards, you you wonder why did I hesitate to yeah to explain this yeah. So it like really I encourage people to do that if if they're sitting in that spot. Hmm. So how do we know if anxiety is going beyond the normal and is going into the area that's much more? Um, I'm trying to think of the word stronger and needs help. I'm not phrasing that well, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I think if it's going on and on, like it doesn't seem to have good management, yeah, then you need to get some help for it. If a few days of holidays or rest or whatever isn't relieving some of that strain and stress, like if there's not natural ways that you can relieve it. Yeah. Um, I think if people around you are starting to notice that there is a change in you, that you're more preoccupied, that you're more depressed or that you're yeah. depressed or other things that they're saying, you know what, I think you're not quite right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, you might need to be getting further help for it. If yeah. the people in your community are getting f- fired on, gunned with the <laughs> behaviors that you're doing when you're under anxiety, when you're like, it's just overflowing so onto other them. people. Yeah, I say that normally so much better in my world. But yeah, when your behavior is outpouring onto your family yeah. or friends and it's poor behavior, you're, yeah, you're hurting them in your behavior. It's probably out of control at that point. Yeah. We often also look at if you are sleeping way too uh, much or not sleeping at, not all, at all, or if you're eating way too much or not, or not at eating at all. Yeah. If you are completely isolating yourself from friends and family and retreating, um, or if you're distracting yourself to the point of like craziness <laughs> because you just can't be alone in your thoughts, yeah. this is really important that you check with some people and that so you extremes, pay attention. Yeah. Streams in your life. Yeah. And so in that kind of situation, please get help. That might be the doctor. And the doctor will direct you to further resources, maybe a psychologist, maybe a counselor, maybe a psychiatrist, maybe medicine. It might be a good idea. It's not sinful to take medicine. We hear that a lot, right, Crystal? Yeah. People will think, oh my goodness, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't be on medicine for anxiety. Well, you might need to be because you might have hormones and chemicals that are out of balance and you might need some help. It may be All the situations we've talked about don't apply in your life. Everything has sort of normal and good, and yet your body's out of control. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you need to be balanced out. Yeah. 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 It can take a bit of time. Uh, We've had families in our church that might take months of discovery, which medicine, when, how. Or years. Yeah, or years. Especially if there's compounding issues, right? Yeah. And you don't charge people when they come talk to you. No. (laughs) Some people are always surprised by that. I know. Well, how much do I have to pay you, Thalia, if I I come? Like, no, this is free. This is a service provided by Northview. So right. if you want a sounding board, yeah, and Vic, Thalia, and Vic and Paul, and Paul are, yeah, yeah. are available. Okay, Aaron, you had mentioned one before, an indicator. Um, your anxiety might be caused by maybe a hole in your theology. Mm-hmm. Okay, that sounds really good. Okay. So explain that a little bit. <laughs> well, I had a hard time explaining it to you guys, so I will see if I can say it better now. Um, if there is some some reason why we cannot... Um, 
get over the anxiety because the way that we're thinking about God is incorrect or inaccurate. So one of the things I came up with was um, if we have had the experience where we cast all our burdens on the Lord and we were expecting that everything would magically be fixed. And then in that experience, it it didn't actually change anything that you could put your finger on. You still continued in that situation as well as it was, then in the future, you may discard that obedience strategy of casting your burdens on the Lord because he didn't do anything that last time. Mm. So I'm wondering if there's people who, uh, well, I think that's a common tendency for people. Well, I didn't see anything. Like we didn't get the answer that we wanted? Like the genie in the sky did not answer? Right. Okay. So if my expectation was that the Lord would actually change everything and make yeah. it magically perfect that my child would walk through the threshold of the classroom door with peacefulness in their heart. And if that didn't happen, does that mean that the Lord didn't answer my cry? Yes. I cast my burdens on him and he did not change that situation. Yeah. So, so now next time I don't trust you. Yeah. So I'm going to work this out with my worry and anxiety on my own. And that's part of the reason I brought up the topic is the wrong thinking of we should not have anxiety. Like that's what a lot of Christians will come and sit with me and they say they shouldn't even feel it at all. When actually we are people that feel this and God knows that. So right away we all of a sudden have to realize that this is a normal emotion that we deal with. But we may have unexpected, uh, sorry, um, wrong expectations in the fact that we think that we should always be uh, healthy right until the day we die. Right, perfect perfect health, health and wealth. Longevity. Financial, <laughs> yeah. financial success. wealth, like security. Like security. we don't think we should ever have insecurity financially, right? Right. right. Yeah, or right. relational strife that we have to deal with or all these things. Right, like I'm thinking even of a like a, a teenager or a child who's living in a home where your finances are just like crazy tight and you see your family working and striving and you never have needs met. And that child is praying to the Lord and saying, Lord, meet this need. We really are struggling. And they don't see the answer that they wanted to see in the way that they thought it would come. Then as they grow and develop, have they tossed that away and said, oh, I can't trust the Lord. So I'm just going to move on and worry about this myself. Yeah. And, and I'm not trying to simplify it. I realize that this is a natural tendency to be anxious. But what happened there? Can we, can we count on the Lord or not? Yeah. Do we trust God even in the midst of unanswered prayers the way we want them to be answered? Right. That's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was, I, this isn't everything, but I did look at, um, on in First Peter a couple of times, it talks about being anxious um, and that we often hear the verse, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. But we don't often hear what's before and after that. Hmm. So the preamble to that verse is humbling yourself. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he might lift you up in due time. Hmm. So that speaks to his sovereignty. He has a plan. It might not be something that has a solution like in the next 10 minutes, in the next week. But there's something about his mighty hand that we need to trust. Yeah. Then it says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Followed by, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Hmm. So that same statement is said in the previous chapter as well. Be sober-minded, be alert. And I think that's a really great instruction that we don't often hear when we hear this, cast your your worries on the Lord. He cares for you. Yes, there's comfort. He cares for me. But also, there's also an instruction there. I need to humble myself. 
And also I need to continue steadfastly obeying, obeying and being alert, keeping my being mind. Being alert to how the Satan could use this to divert us, right? Yeah. Off truth about who God is. And yeah, to make us kind of wallow in a pool of anxiety and fear. Yeah, so being alert of all those pieces. So how might someone feel that God cares for them? What would that look like in a practical way? So I was in one of those families where finances was a big concern for a long season. And I remember my mom and us wondering where the next kind of big groceries was going to come from. And I remember somebody in our church family coming more than one occasion and leaving groceries on our front doorstep. And man, my mom absolutely gave God glory for that. And in my mind, he cared for us Mm. because he used his servants, our church members, to bless us with nourishment. And oh, I saw that. And I mean, blessings to my mom or kudos to my mom for pointing that toward the Lord because that's a big life lesson I had there. Yeah. Who cares for us through the people of God often. Mm -hmm. Through people praying for us, encouraging us, walking with us, carpooling, driving our kids, bringing flowers. I mean, there are so many ways we can care for others. And that's God, like you said. God is watching us. Yeah. And I think God also cares for us in a long-term way by reframing some of those expectations. And yes. I know when yeah. we've gone through times of financial ups and downs, because my husband's a realtor, and so you have the lean years and the and the bounty years. But in those lean years, God's caring for me in the sense that he's constantly reminding me, okay, don't put your trust in these things, put your trust in me. And that mm. it doesn't feel caring in the moment because you want to have the money in your hand or you want to have the security. That would feel like more caring from God. But actually God's kind of ripping away some of that things, the false things that I put my trust in and saying, you know what, I'm actually the only one worthy of your trust. And so it's caring, God caring for us in a different way by putting our feet on solid ground rather than on that shaky ground of trusting in things that aren't really real. Yeah. And there might be overarching things that God's mighty hand is doing. There might be some really difficult circumstances, and yet God has blessed you to be in a home where you're going to church and you're learning of Him and you are able to abide in him because someone taught you that. So the hard circumstances are on one side, but the abiding in him because someone actually in your community, that your family took you to church, like that's a huge blessing, but you don't see that in the moment necessarily. So we're talking about some of the benefits to anxiety, which is kind of a weird spin on it. Mm -hmm. We mostly think that anxiety is all bad, but what you're talking about is some of the things you've learned through being anxious. Yeah. You want with anxiety to run to God instead of away from God, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're, we tempt, like you said, if our whole theology is wrong, we might run away from God. But if we run to God with that anxiety, He helps us reframe it. He helps us put our trust in, in the things that are real. He helps us understand Himself more and His care for us more yeah. in ways that we wouldn't if we hadn't gone through those difficult situations. So if someone's struggling with anxiety, what are some other things we can encourage people to do with this struggle? Like we've talked about how we can talk with trusted friends. That's important, whether that's a doctor, a pastor, or somebody who knows you well. Um, What are some other things that we can encourage people to do with this struggle? Well, other things we've talked about in other podcasts is just having healthy things in your life. Because I think, I know for me, I can have a stressful day at work, go home and go for a run and like, oh, okay, it puts other things in perspective because I've just exercised, I've Mm -hmm. gotten outside, I've seen creation a little bit, I've blown off some steam. Um, so some of those healthy coping mechanisms are, are good to kind of keep in mind. Yep. R- reflecting. 
if, if you're somebody who's prone to anxiety, you'll certainly get to the end of a really heightened time and there's an opportunity there to look back and say, okay, what did, what was the preemptive things that all came together before that explosion happened and what could be eliminated in the future or Mm -hmm. how could I not get to that heightened emotional state? So a little bit of learning. Being self-aware. Yeah. Putting some strategies into place for the next time. Yeah. Sometimes with anxiety, we tend to pull ourselves out of things. We talked about that. But often worshiping or Mm. serving others, volunteering, are things that kind of get us out of our own head and help us to see that other people are often in the similar boat. Yeah. That really helps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You could listen to a good podcast. (laughs) And I have other books, articles, blogs that if you want to contact me and ask me for more resources, I have those. I'm always trying to find more. That would be good. Yeah, and I think just remind yourself that you're not alone. You're not the only one going through this. Yeah. Because I think when we get into that pity party of thinking it's only us, then it just grows in our mind and magnifies and gets bigger and bigger. I'm going to close with prayer. What I often do, and if you're listening to this and have sat with me before, I'd like to remind people of Psalm 121, mm-hmm. and it starts with, I lift my eyes to the hills. Because as we drive around Abbotsford mm-hmm. Mission in the Fraser Valley, and wherever you live, often there are hills, mountains you can look at. And it says, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. I often start with that psalm when I pray with people, because it helps to set our perspective that it's God who helps us in the midst of our struggle. And that's where we start. So why don't we pray together? Lord, we lift our eyes to the hills, and we know that our help comes from you, maker of heaven and earth. Lord, we are so thankful that we have you. You are the one who has the power to change hearts and minds and to change lives. We don't actually have that ability, but you do. And so, Lord, for the people who are listening, if they are struggling or someone in their life is struggling, Lord, I pray that they would lift their eyes to the hills, to you, maker of heaven and earth, that they would seek you for help, that they would seek wise, trusted friends, that they would go to the doctor if necessary, if they would come talk to people at church if necessary. Lord, please um, work in people's lives as you are continuing to doing, uh, continue to do. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.